0: Good morning, everybody, and welcome to this episode of 30 Minutes to President's Club. My name is Armand Farouk. I'm here with my co-host, Nick Siegelski, and today we have the CEO of Gong. Yes, the CEO of gong.io, Amit Vendov. No further introduction needed. Why should people listen, Nick?
1: Do I need to say anything more? But on today's show, we cover some really interesting things about selling to executives, leveraging your own executives to sell, and using interesting things like an NDA to get to power. Listen to this one.
0: Oh, and lastly, if you thought a meat didn't have it anymore because he's a CEO, and maybe he might not be able to sell anymore, you are horribly mistaken. This man is a heck of a salesperson, and so this is just as actionable as any other episode. Three, two, one, hit the gong.
1: Today's tip to optimize your sales day is brought to you by Boomerang. If you get an email and the action required on that email is going to take you less than two minutes to do do it on the spot. It's not worth adding it to your to-do list, having to look at the item, remember what you need to do. That's going to take you more than two minutes anyway. So do it on the spot, get it off your plate. Now we documented our best templates and tips to help you optimize your sales day with our friends at Boomerang. And you can get that
0: documentation for free at the link in the show notes. Your Zoom info actionable insight tactic is called Jane's moving up.
1: All right, Amit. Welcome to 30 Minutes to President's Club. You know we start every single episode with your top three actionable takeaways. So let's get your three.
2: All right. Number one, bigger isn't always harder. So sometimes it's not much harder to sell like a larger deal. If you are selling for like 10,000, probably like 20,000, kind of the same ballpark of effort. And sometimes like 200,000 is easier because it gets a negotiation like higher authority and things could actually go a lot faster. Very cool. What's number two? Number two, how to use your executives to uh, help you open and close a deal. First, it's great to use them to door opening. I mean, they have like board connection. They could like parachute you right at the top. Second, like throughout the process, maybe like communicate like vision of the company and, and like commitment to the partnership. And three, kind of to help like, close the deal, show respect and commitment and make the customer feel good about the uh, the ongoing partnership. There is a flip side to that, like we're not to use, like if the deal is like going south, right? And you don't know to explain why they should buy from you and not from the other guys or why they should pay you. Like your CEO probably can't help you. You need to know and then like use them to kind of like help provide tailwind. Beautiful.
1: What's the last one to meet?
2: The last one at first, like it is crucial, especially like in B2B that you like work like multiple contacts. Like if you're talking like one or two people, the odds of you closing a deal are pretty slim. So just check. And as a teaser, uh, you know, the big question, how do you get to like the higher ups? How do you navigate your
0: up? How do you get to like more contact with the organization? But that's probably what we're gonna be talking like down the road, right? Let's do it. So I feel really awkward because w- one of the things that I don't want to do is I don't want to go to one of your reps when we're looking at buying ganga meat and say, like, hey, I know you're important here, but can I go talk to your CEO of meat? And so what is the way that won't piss anybody off to properly ask for access to power?
2: There is there's a number of ways to do it. And let's try to go over them. So first, like, I mean, let's like the way you ask, you, like, oh, would it be okay? I go to the CEO. Like you're going to get a no, like almost certainly like our CEO is busy. doesn't, this is like I'm being. So one way to do it, like suppose that you like what you see, like besides you, who else would need to authorize this All right now? You're, you're respectful and he needs to tell you the truth, right? So now you can kind of like agree that, yeah, you're, you're the decision maker, but there are actually others. But there are other ways to do it, right? Which are kind of like a little more tricky, right? So one, sometimes like even asking to sign an agreement, it could be as simple as an NDA, right? You said to do that, we need to sign an NDA. Now you know you get with someone who's like, at least like a, maybe not the CEO, but someone who's like an authority to sign. So this is our official. Something charging for stuff. Like if there's a POC or a study or an evaluation, Just charging helps you get to other people in the organization that actually can authorize a purchase or any expense. Sometimes, if you go back to like point number two, how do you uh, use your your CEO or CRO, wherever that is, says, listen, my my CEO is psyched about. To deal with your company is is begging you to speak with your CEO. Do you think there what are the odds of getting these guys connected? Right. So now it's like power speaking of the same level of power, you're not like going and you're not belittling his or her importance.
1: So me I imagine that there are times when somebody's selling something to Gong, they'll use some of these approaches and you'll be pulled into the deal. And my guess is When you've gotten to a point where Gong is seriously considering buying something to the point that you're pulled into the conversation, it's not meeting number one. It's not even meeting number two. The the sale has gotten fairly deep into the process and you need to be briefed on what's happening. And so I'm curious from your perspective, have you seen sales reps do that well when you come into a deal and you need to get some context for the conversation they've had with your organization? And if so, how?
2: The advice like get to the point and I do it sometimes like even in a company people like present a business case for something it's like you know 20 slides and that's that's all good but I would do the thing just you know okay can I see the last slide like start the last slide if we agree or not I don't need to see the rest right we're done right and then I might have some questions but just start like why should I care and like I mean this could really like increase Sales productivity by thirteen percent with things like you know one point seven million dollars of saving next year. This is like a two hundred fifty thousand dollar investment. It's been used by to now like value and then like risk. This has been using by by you know twenty other companies like us. They're reading about it. These companies are legit. I recommend that we do it. So first like value and second like address kind of like the risk and the uh, the concerns. Simple as
0: that. And I find that that's where a lot of times reps will get screwed up is we talked about getting above the power line or getting to power. Oftentimes what happens is if you start at power and you start going and trying to sell something to Amit and you start going into the demo and showing them every single nook and cranny of your spreadsheet, Amit's going to kick it down, right? You're going to kick it down below power because you're like, this is too in the weeds for me. So you got you to gotta start with the so what, but at the same time, like you need to get that stuff done. So you talked about multi-threading a deal and how multi-threading a deal is going to make sure that like you have a higher close ratio. So could you walk us through, like, how do you artfully multi-thread a deal without feeling like you're just like hopping all over the organization, all over the place?
2: So first, like know like who your real buyer is and try to get kind of the, the lowest ranking person who can actually like make a purchase decision. Right. So one of my companies, we're like, I mean, we're starting to like pitch to CIOs and we're getting their attention. We're like, they'd be happy to talk to us. But I noticed that every time they'll kind of like delegate us to the application director because they weren't really the decision makers. It's not a decision they're capable of making, right? Just too technical and they would not force people to buy. So we actually said, okay, we're gonna start selling to the IT directors in our domain and actually like shave like two weeks from the sales cycle because we got the person who can make the, they have the budget, they can do it, they're supportive, we're wasting our time with the CEO. So just kind of the lowest ranking person, they're easier to get to, right? But they can make the purchase. Second, it's easier to go like top down than bottom up. I mean, it's, it's harder to get to these people, right? But once you do it, kind of the whole sales cycle and and they may say like, okay, yeah, you work with my team on that. But once the team already got, they know that you're talking. They know that they kind of have like a, at least kind of like a high level blessing that, yeah, this is something that I, I think is at least interesting. The whole sales cycle takes like a different place. Understand like who needs to be like typical. So people talk about like ICP, it's like one person, but think about more like a ICP is an ideal customer team profile, right? Who's like... Who would need to be, it's like, uh, is it security, is it IT, is it finance, just trying to map kind of like all the people and be proactive about it. Because so usually these people are involved in the decision, like if we, assuming that the outcome, again timeline for the project and some sense of urgency, like I would recommend that these are the people are usually involved, let's involve them early so they're definitely legal, right? It's harder to navigate up for the reason that we mentioned. Something like people want to block you, they don't want to like bother their boss and But if you start in the top,
0: it's easier. The one thing I want to go back to is one of the things you talked about is like to get to power. It's very unconventional. Usually you think to accelerate a deal, you want to discount a deal, right? You want to drop the price so it can close quicker. But you're actually saying you should be raising price to accelerate a deal. Could you walk us through like what that is and why you do it?
2: If low pricing creates like low commitment, on the customer side, let's say if you said something for five dollars, then you know maybe it works, maybe it doesn't work. Nobody cares. It's very easy to write it off, right? But once the stakes are higher, people take it more seriously. So they're more, much more likely to get a successful customer, right? And again, I don't know if like high for is like ten thousand or a hundred or a million, right? But so that's one thing. Second, it's the the people that need to authorize, right? Because sometimes people that can purchase for ten thousand might not be senior enough in your organization to actually promote your project or your, your, your sales initiative out there. So by actually like raising the price, you kind of force a discussion with the higher ops, right? But of course, your value proposition message has to be aligned. It's not the same thing that they're buying. They're not buying a product. They're not buying technology. Some kind of like higher order value proposition that will resonate well with the buyer's.
1: So, Amit, I want to flip on our head one of the things we talked about earlier. We talked about when we're going in and we're selling to an executive, and you shared a bit about your perspective of when your organization is being sold to. I want to talk a little about leveraging our own executives to to help us as salespeople. And so, you sort of alluded to in the beginning. There's really three stages that you might bring in an executive. You've got the early stage to open up a deal. You've got the middle stage, and then you've kind of got the end where you're solidifying it. And so. I want to get your sense on what's the best way to prepare an executive to come in to meet with your prospects so that they can have an effective conversation and help you sell.
2: Yeah, super important. And, and unfortunately, the, the Gong thing is actually using it pretty effectively. And I get like a brief and sometimes important deals, we'll schedule like a meeting just to prepare. Come prepared, right? It's not just the niceties. And you know, my title is the CEO. You got to stand. So, who are you meeting with? What is their background kind of like recent context what is their attitude like are they like fans skeptics or like actually like hate the idea right three kind of like global business context where the customer is always helpful understand like are they like growing or are they like stuck somewhere was there like a recent like our team actually like reads like poorly uh, earnings reports of the company is actually trying to say like what are the top issues for the company even SDRs for for Finally, kind of like, what's the value proposition, right? And all everything so far is kind of context, but why do you think they should buy, right? Where is the value? And again, it's not kind of like the, usually not the functionality. It's kind of like, this is what we're trying to accomplish as a business. And this is why this is strategic for them. So you, you, you've got to know that.
1: Okay. And so now let's say the rep has brought you on to a call what do those calls look like? Are you bringing? Are the reps bringing in a solutions engineer? Are they bringing on other people? What does the audience look like when you're involving an executive in a customer call, both on the internal and external side?
2: Sometimes the best ones are the ones. It's just like one on one. Sometimes we just meet and like the other CEO or CRO or whatever buyer is, and the point is more as for kind of create a relationship, right? you're not even like trying to sell, you're trying to get to know each other. And that's what they really want. You're not necessarily selling the product, it's getting a closer relationship, especially if they're going to make like a big bet on you, they want to make sure that they have access to someone who can help them if things don't work well, or someone who's committed. So I think that is more about like creating a relationship. Sometimes for some of the meetings, there is a more structured agenda, right? That is like, here's what we understand kind of, for me, it could be like a strategic vision of the company, right? Again, it's like they're making a bet on the long-term partner, like especially, so they wanna know like, where is, here's what I'm buying today, but where is this gonna be like in a year, in two years and in three years, answer any questions that they might have. So they ask like, you know, what concerns do you have? So they can hear it from me, right? So I can, uh, I can address them. But that's like, mostly it's about like, the companies, make them feel comfortable with partnering with you.
1: I love that you mentioned that because the first time I ever brought the CEO of my company into a customer deal, my CEO met up with the CEO of this customer I was selling to. And they met up for lunch in a city that I wasn't even in at the time. And I wasn't there. So all I did was make the lunch reservation. And I remember being really nervous that like, How do I know they're going to do the right thing? And like my CEO is going to talk about the right thing. And so when I got a report afterwards, he was like, yeah, we talked about how we grew up in the same part of the country for about 45 minutes and we talked business for five or 10 minutes. But the relationship was so powerful that my CEO even helped us do some things internally to win the deal. And so it was almost like they sold each other on working together as opposed to just a, a slide deck.
0: So, I mean, one of the things that I'm sure you get brought into all the time is you mentioned in the prep call that you'll say no to deals. Sometimes you say this customer isn't a fit for us for one reason or another. And a lot of times where we see reps bringing in the CEO is if there's something that we don't have built yet, that we need to get the customer to agree to, and we need to get them to buy into something that we're promising them that we'll eventually have. And so do you have any do's or don'ts or way of thinking about like, hey, a customer's asking for this and we don't have it. How should we frame that and set expectations with them on whether or not we can deliver there?
2: We don't sell roadmap. Like for strategic customers, we will say like these are the plans, but very it's never like it never gets to a situation where like you need these we say like you know we estimate that we might have it by this but recognize it's not like a contractual commitment something that we don't have so very upfront we try to stick to what we have right now that's what people buy and i find personally it's like it's a healthier approach so right? i kind of long term
0: you might lose a deal sometime but
2: that's actually like the right thing to do
0: well, Amit, this has been a phenomenal question. We asked one question to every single guest every time. And so we talked about a lot of good habits that reps have. We talked about multi-threading deals, getting to power, even raising your price to get to power. But there are oftentimes some things that Gong is pointing out. And so if there was one bad habit that every single rep had to break today, what would it be? Just don't
2: over-talk yourself, right? Just people tend to like talk too much. You see, I'm, I'm being self-aware and that's something I'm talking too much, but just become like a better listener is important. I mean, not, that's all like a lot of other things.
0: Well, everybody, you got to listen up for Amit's last word here. And Amit, is there anything else you want to plug or chime in with the audience before we jump off here?
2: I mean, do I get, should I say like bygone or something? Or yes,
0: this is your moment, right. by Gong
2: yeah, yeah, I mean my team would be upset if I if I didn't mention it. Yeah, check us out. There are actually a lot of tips on our on our, on our blog. So all the Gong Labs with data points and on multi-threading and and like how to become a, uh, ask better questions, how to navigate your way out there. It's like real science-based data. So I'm I mean, check it out. It's really good.
1: Well, I mean, I'm actually curious. And Armand, I want to take us for a second off the script because you guys really do puts out out some interesting data. Is there anything recently that you've seen from a data perspective where you said, Oh, I'm actually surprised by that that you think listeners should know about?
2: I'm not surprised. I mean, sometimes you don't have to be surprised. It kind of like the data validates things that you know, but in quantify. So I think they're especially now, like we got a lot of questions like, you know, should I turn my camera on or not? Right. How important it is. So the question is like, it's actually like. Your odds of winning are actually double if the camera is on. Off? On.
1: Oh, on. I was like, oh, gosh.
2: On, on. And if you wear a Hawaiian shirt, like, it's like, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> you can look for that one. But, uh, yeah, definitely try to keep the camera on. I know sometimes it's hard to, uh, there like, there's a good discussion. Like, you know, you ask the prospect to do it. I think you should, but not push. Just hey, this is a video conference. You have a camera. That's great. Sometimes people don't feel comfortable, right? They might have like he's running around, or you know, the hair isn't done, or, or something. So, but I mean, it's it's good. If you, if you do it, it increases your likelihood of winning. That's how you connect with people, right, on an emotional level, just facial expressions, and they see that you're a real person, and you're nice, and you're good looking, or whatever. So, uh, yeah, turn it
1: on. Armand and I have negative marks in that that department. It causes lost deals. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, hey, this has been a blast of a conversation. Is there anything else you want to cover before we jump off here?
2: Uh, no, thanks for inviting me, and I uh, hope it was uh, good. And uh, good luck to all of you. And uh, don't, don't send me like emails like all of you like next week trying to trying to uh, get or something with all those deals.
0: Well, nobody harass Amit with all of your cold emails, but absolutely the best sales blog that I've personally seen out there. Amazing data, amazing insights, and a a world-class sales team. Amit, thank you for jumping on. And everybody hang on for a 60-second recap email coming up soon. Cheers. This week's actionable prospecting tactic is from Sixth Sense, who shows you the prospects who are most likely to buy so you can get more meetings with fewer activities. Personalizing cold emails requires you to only change the first paragraph in a trigger template. All you have to do is tie the research to the problem you solve in paragraph one and then switch that out while you leave paragraphs two and three, your solution and call to action, exactly the same. And so we are giving you six of these trigger templates with our partners at Six cents. The link is in the show notes.
1: Today's Deal Acceleration Cheat Code is brought to you by Pipedrive, which is a CRM built by sellers for sellers. The best way to drive your pipeline
0: Your top four takeaways from this episode with Amit Bendov include number one, one tricky way to get to power is ask somebody to sign an NDA. It has to go to somebody who has some power to make some decisions. Number two, one of the things that you think about when getting to power and also multi-threading deals is try to find the lowest ranking person who can still make a purchasing decision because going to the CEO, the CEO can't just tell finance what to do. Okay, number three, you got to raise prices to get the power. Crazy. Raise prices is going to get your attention from the executives. It's going to get the attention from the board. And then lastly, number four, use your execs at all points of the deal cycle. Bring them in early to get exec buy them, to show them that you're going to get the best service. Bring them in late in the deal so that they have full confidence that you're going to be giving them the best possible service. And then, of course, try not to bring them in only when a deal's going south because there's only so much they can do. Nick. How can people help us out here?
1: All guys. So we asked for it on the last show, but we are looking for sponsors for 30 Minutes to President's Club. So if you know somebody who wants to be a sponsor and you refer us to them and they end up sponsoring the show, we will give you a Starbucks gift card or a corn dog gift card. So where do they sell corn dogs, Armand?
0: I think you can get corn dogs at a hot dog on a stick.
1: Oh, or Walmart. Okay, we need to redo that.
0: Well, everybody, listen to the show. We'll talk to you next time. This week's actionable prospecting tactic is from Sixth Sense, who shows you the prospects who are most likely to buy so you can get more meetings with fewer activities. Personalizing cold emails requires you to only change the first paragraph in a trigger template. All you have to do is tie the research to the problem you solve in paragraph one, and then switch that out while you leave paragraphs two and three, your solution and call to action, exactly the same. And so we are giving you six of these trigger templates with our partners at Six Sense. The link is in the show notes.